0: I'm Amy Woe of Disco Wellness. Welcome to Forever Fit Season Two. And yes, I will be singing that intro in a variety of different ways as we embark on this 10-day journey together. In season two, we're gonna focus on working with triggers to create a lifetime of healthy habits. This series of interviews will bring you personal stories of triumph, the science of motivation and habits inspiration and tips to help you thrive physically and emotionally, no matter what life throws your way. And I couldn't imagine a better way to kick off this series than with Tamsin Astor, who invites you to change your habits and change your life. Are you a self-driven nurturer who rarely makes time for your own needs? All other voices demand immediate attention and leave little time for personal care. We make 35,000 decisions every day, leading to decision fatigue. Dr. Tamsin Astor, your chief habit scientist, helps people to create the necessary connections between their daily habits and routines in order to clear the path for more personal time and energy. Tamsin is, dare I say, a powerhouse. She has a PhD in neuroscience and psychology, a postdoctorate in education, and is certified in yoga, Ayurveda, mindset, and executive coaching. What an honor to have this amazing woman with us today. So without further ado, Tamsin, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for having me.
1: I love getting to talk about all the super nerdy, exciting stuff of habit science.
0: (laughs) Yes, I like nerding out on this too. (laughs) And just because you are the chief habit scientist, how how did you get that title?
1: I created it myself because I was taking a class and this teacher was saying to us that we needed to be a CEO of our own business and i was sitting there thinking you know i'd never worked in corporate and so ceo kind of sort of great not greated but it like it challenged me a little bit and i was trying to think how do i embody like that ceo mentality in my business and coach really never felt like it embraced my academic scientific background. So I thought I've got to have scientists of some kind of variant in this. Mm. And, you know, with my study of Ayurveda my certifications in Ayurveda and all the rituals that we do in that Eastern practice, I was thinking it had to have something to do with habits and rituals and routines. So that was where it came from. It's that I'm the chief, like the C-suite, sort of, you know, like owning my own business, you know, owning my own authority. Habits are the big thing that I focus on. And then with my science background, the scientist. So it was, that's how it evolved. I love
0: <laughs> it. I love it. And it, it, it's, I can see it and, and hear it in your voice, how, <laughs> how it empowers you to have this, this title.
1: Exactly. Yeah, yeah, and I think it's really important, particularly as us women, you know, to really own that authority and do it in a way that feels really authentic for us, you know. And for some of us, that's you know taking on particular titles or ways of speaking or ways of engaging that allows us to, you know, raw.
0: (laughs) Yeah, I like to think of it as your way of being. Like, how how can you be? How can you show up in the world to be your true, authentic self?
1: So true. Absolutely.
0: Yeah. So and this all ties in with uh, how you're feeling, what your mindset is, mm-hmm. ha- your daily habits, which is what we're we're going to focus on here, things that trigger you to do something either healthy or not healthy, which we'll mm-hmm. talk about too. And let's just dive right in with habits. So is it So if I do something every day and I know it's not the healthiest thing, it's just something that I do. And I think, well, I've been doing it my whole life. That's just the way it is. That's who I am. Is that, is that like, do, do I just have to accept something or can we actually change our ways?
1: Absolutely. I think this is one of the most interesting things that's come out of, you know, neuroscience research in the last 20 years or so is the idea that we have plastic brains, i.e. that we can mold who we are. And, you know, when we think about that, and I talk about it often in terms of mindset, too, is that you can use your mind to change your brain. Right. So your brain has particular neural connections. And we know from the addiction literature that once habits are embedded, particularly things that we've been doing repeatedly and repetitively for years and years and years, it's really hard to break them. But the good news is that we can. And you know, the, what we know about the way that the brain works is that you know, the thing that triggers the habit and the reward that we get from the habit, the beginning and the end of the habit cycle are the bits that we have the most access to in terms of where they're occurring in the brain. They're occurring in the frontal cortex. So when we look at a habit that we've been repeatedly doing for years and years and years and we know is no longer serving us, we can step back and be our own habit scientists and look, what are the triggers and what are the rewards and start to break it down.
0: So let's talk about that a little bit more. What the, when you see the trigger, so um, let's say just for simplicity, like the habit is having a glass of wine at the end of the night, at the end of your mm-hmm. day. Mm-hmm. And you start to realize that that's been happening every night and it's harder to wake up in the morning Mm -hmm. and I'm not feeling as positive or I'm not feeling as energized Mm -hmm. the next day, Mm
1: -hmm. but it's
0: so ingrained. Like that's my way of winding down. So let's say like time is a, could be a trigger, right? So it's like that time of day, that wind down time of day is the trigger. Mm -hmm. How do you, how do you acknowledge the trigger and then make a shift So what the first thing is you have
1: to notice what it is that you're doing, right? So that you've articulated that, you know, I, when I get home from work, I transition and the transition I make is to have a glass of wine, right? That's part of my transition experience. Mm -hmm. So that's the first bit is figuring out what, what's the situation. It's the time, it's a change in situation. And then you want to figure out what's it making you do, right? So wine makes a lot of people lose their inhibitions a bit, feel a little bit relaxed, but it's also, you know, long term, as you said, it can be a depressant. It can, you know, disturb your sleeping and make you feel sort of lethargic and all of the other things, you know. And don't get me wrong, like I'm not anti-alcohol, you know, and we're yeah. all very different. I mean, and that's one of the things I like about the Ayurvedic model is that we can, you know, tailor that for our own unique needs. But when we're looking at that connection, what we're looking at is, you know, what's the thing that's causing it? So, as you said, it could be the time of day. And then you want to think, okay, so what else could I do as a transition that clearly demarcates end of day, work day, mm-hmm. beginning of, you know, the evening. And so one thing could be, you know, you change your clothes. Like if you go to work and you wear particular clothes to work, you come home, you can change your clothes. Another thing to do is to shift the energy, go for a walk.
0: Yeah. You know,
1: take, if you have to give it, or if you have a pet or if you have kids, you know, go for a walk around the block or jump on your bike and go for a run around the block, you know, even just like getting into child's pose, doing something that I was indicates say yoga. Right, yoga, doing something that's a sort of that it indicates that there's a transition. And, you know, that's even more important for people, you know, like me and probably like you who often don't go to another place to work. We can go to work in other places, but we often work out of our own homes or oh, from yeah. spaces yeah, where there's bring this up. Right. When there isn't that, like a necessarily a clear demarcation of like here's home and here's work, right? Creating some kind of clear transitional ritual. Like one of the things I've said to a lot of my clients who are entrepreneurs is I say, you know, when you close your laptop close your desktop, you know, cover it in a scarf, something like that. So it's like, okay, good night. Like you're done for the day, (laughs) you know, shut up for business.
0: (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, because that is, that is a real challenge is, is knowing when to, when to stop. Like, just like we were saying about making your needs a priority and giving yourself that time to wind down and reflect when you, when you're working for yourself, you can, it's so easy to get into the nonstop work flow. Right. Absolutely. And yeah. So I'm really happy that you brought that up. So I love that idea of creating a ritual around that transition time. Because if you think about it, in the morning, we have our rituals of you know getting up and, and you do certain things in a certain order and you get out your door or you go, go to your desk wherever you're going. Mm-hmm. And I think, and this might just be my personal experience, but it is more challenging for me at the end of the day to, to have that ritual intact and to have that ritual that takes you into sleep, that helps you wind yes. down.
1: Absolutely. No. And the the rituals, you know, particularly if you are somebody that struggle with sleep, like I, you know, one of the biggest rituals I say for that evening is to, you know, create a series of rituals that transition the energy. Because when you look at the Ayurvedic model of the different energies of the day, six to 10 PM is Kapha energy. Kapha is associated with earth and water. So it's that heavier energy. So we want to make use of that slower, heavier energy and harness it rather than firing on all cylinders and amping it up because at around 10pm, the pitta energy, which is the energy of fire and creation starts again, which is why we often get that second wind. But the, at the 10 p.m. slot, it's actually designed for detoxing your brain, your experiences and your gut. And that doesn't happen if you're awake and you're working or folding laundry or swiping on Bumble or right. <laughs> you know watching that fifth autoplay episode on Netflix. You know? I know.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I feel like you're describing my night sometimes. <laughs> right so it's like figuring
1: out and and the thing about rituals is and habits is when you create do them in the same order every day like you articulated with the morning then they become a habit they they flow the previous habit triggers the next habit
0: Mm. so when
1: you start to create those end of the work day evening routines you want to do it's less important of how long each one is Right, So it could be one day you do a five minute walk around the block at the end of the day. Another day it could be you do a 30 minute walk around your neighborhood. the 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 point is, is that you walk, right? And then the second thing might be, you know, that you eat or you hang out with your dog or your kids or whatever. And then the third thing might be, you know, you shut everything down and you go and read a book right? So the, whatever the order is that you do, the point is that, is that you do it in the same order. It's less important how long each one is. And then that previous one will trigger the next one. Mm-hmm. And that's that consistency that helps cultivate the habit.
0: Oh, I love that. And um, so uh, I love that you're talking about timing too, and not just the timing of, of the, the order of things, but the fact that you, I think this is what holds up a lot of people is, is mm-hmm. they think, oh, I don't have an hour to work out. Right. Right. So I'm just not going to do anything. (laughs) Yeah. And once you have that habit, that's what I try to instill in my personal training clients. Mm. It's, you know, even if you have just five minutes to walk around the block, then your Mm -hmm. body and your mind Mm -hmm. to that release. And then when you do have more time available, then expand on it and, and get in tune with what your body needs and what your body's telling you it needs.
1: Absolutely, it's so true, and I think that people are. And 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 like particularly that you know, I tend to work with overwhelmed executives, and they're often like, you know, if I can't get to the gym for a ninety-minute yoga class, then it's no point. And I'm like, <laughs> you know, like five sun salutations is going to make you feel so much better on your mat in the corner of your living room. <laughs> you know, yeah, it's does... going to clear the slate. Yeah, exactly, exactly.
0: <laughs> so as we talk about the ordering of of mm. things to create a habit, how is that how we would add a new habit to our, our daily life? Sure. Yeah. So, I mean, adding new habits is slightly different from
1: changing habits, right? So Mm -hmm. adding a new habit, um, the, the, the first thing I, which I just sort of touched on is consistency. You know, it's much easier to add a new habit if you commit to doing it every day. Than if you commit to doing it once a week or twice a week or three times a week. Mm -hmm. So, you know, with exercise, I'll say to people, do it every day. And some days it can be 10 minutes, some days it can be an hour. But the point is, is to try and commit to doing something every day, right? Yeah. It's also much more helpful when you cultivate a new habit to do it at the, I call this the three S's of cultivating a new habit, right? Um, And so that doing it at the same time every day. So doing it, you know, after you wake and before you eat breakfast or in your lunch hour. Or in that transition period between going home and your evening starting, right? So doing it at the same time every day. So then the energy starts to create some, um, um, a, a trigger for it. Mm-hmm. Um, the time of day starts to create a trigger. Because, you know, different times of the day have different energies. The second is, if you can, try and cultivate it in the same place. So that depends on what the habit is. But, um, for example, if you're trying to cultivate a meditation practice, Doing it in the same area of your house is going to create the energy in that area of the house so that every time you walk past, you go, like, oh, that's my meditation space, right? And you make it a beautiful space for you to go to. The third big S, right? So the same time, same place. The third is what it's called the sandwich trick. And that's mm-hmm. slotting your habit in between two things that you always do consecutively. So if there's a strong connection between two current habits you have, and you want to add a new one, slotting it in between those two is more likely to make it stick.
0: Mm. That makes sense? Yeah. Can you give us an example of
1: that? So if you want to add, say, a walk around the block or a 10 minute walk because we all know how fantastic walking is for our psychological health for our creative health for mental. Yeah. <laughs> like it's just you know it's amazing you know we've been doing it for you know thousands of years tens of thousands <laughs> of years as humans you know um and sometimes we just think we have to go to the running machine at work and say like, actually no just walking around your neighborhood is going to you know it's going to give you a whole load of benefits so oh, if you want yeah. to add a morning or an evening walk it would be to slot it to t- with between two things so for example if you wake up every morning and you Um, go downstairs, you make coffee and you, um, then you go back upstairs and get dressed and shower. Right. So Mm. what you want to do is slot that between the making coffee and getting dressed. Right. Mm, If those two things you always do every morning or at the end of the day, if you always come home from the day, you park your car and you go straight into the house before you go into the house, walk around the block. Right. Yeah. So do it between two things that you always do connect in a connected manner. You know, if at work you, you know, say you're somebody who is an executive and you sit at your desk and you eat lunch to, you know, speed up your, you know, your day, right. And take less time, Mm -hmm. you know, and then maybe you then go for a walk to go and get a coffee from the vending machine or the cafeteria before you get your coffee, leave the building and go for a walk. Right. So slot Mm -hmm. it between something that you always do that's connected because it's more likely to stick and you're more likely to get the neurological connections firing there.
0: That makes so much sense. And especially the idea of, I, cause I witnessed that in, in my own practice of working at home. If mm-hmm. I am on a call, like I right now, Samson, <laughs> I'll tell you, I have my running shoes on because as soon as we're done, as soon as I'm done a call or like a series of emails or an hour at the computer, I get up and I go for a walk mm-hmm. And depending on how much time I have, you know, I, I, I go out for as long as I can. Mm-hmm. and it's, it's so amazing how that really hits the refresh button. Totally. Just totally. getting outside, just right. getting outside. And when you're working in a building mm-hmm. and you're in that office culture of, I have to be at my desk. I have to be producing. I have to be, you know, have to, have to, have to. It's, <laughs> it can be very restrictive mm-hmm. and I, I, I found that when I did for very short periods of time work in office spaces, going on that walk mm-hmm. and recruiting other people to go with me, mm-hmm. that was always a fun and helpful thing too, because then you have accountability.
1: Absolutely. And, and accountability is a huge part. I'm really glad you m- mentioned that as part of cultivating a habit because having other people who will hold you to that, who see that, who value that and will support you. So that what I call they're the, the supporters, right? So, mm-hmm. you know, when we're cultivating a new good habit, which, you know, might be, um, you know, adding exercise, adding meditation, adding some kind of benefit to our lives. Some people sort of freak out because they'll see it as you're judging them because they're not doing it right and they'll try and like pull you back I call those the uh, you know the enablers they're the ones that when you're saying I'm gonna add exercise they're like have a donut you know <laughs> you know those ones are you're like I'm gonna make this change and they, and they and they kind of you know and then the other ones that have that kind of you know when Harry met Sally oh look at what she's doing I'll have some of that you know I'll have what she's <laughs> having and they have that kind of you know and and finding people like that who can text you and go I'm going for a walk right now. Are you going to do it if they're not in your, if they don't live near you or if you work with them or near them that can join you on that, you know, and, and also creating verbal accountability is also really key with habits, you know, so, you know, the way that our mind body works is if we can say stuff out loud, we're starting to create the neurological connections between where we are and the habit we're trying to cultivate. It's a little bit like the vision work I do with my clients, you know, the, the whole sort of law of attraction piece you know what we're doing is if we're wanting to go in a new direction create something new we have to talk about it we have to write about it we have to articulate it in as many different ways we can we draw it create vision boards you know make lots of things that express that intention so that we can connect where we are now with where we want to be and that's part of accountability so you know visual tracking as well is another great way of creating accountability you know i'll say to my clients you know when all i get a a huge amount of free calendars, you know, donate to this charity. Here's a free calendar, you know, like keep a couple of those, hang them on the wall. When you're adding a new habit, check it off every day because there's nothing like looking at, wow, I've walked around the block every day for 10 days or I've meditated every day for 15 days or I've journaled for, or I've, you know, reached out to clients. You can do it for, you know, your work too. I've, you know, cold called, done my social media, whatever it is, this new habit that you're cultivating seeing that visual reminder and, and a re- reminder of your success
0: success particularly yeah.
1: when you fail and you forget yeah. a day or two or you're sick or you don't feel inspired and it's easy to get stuck in that well what's the point you know I've fallen off the wagon if you've got that visual reminder you can look at it and go yes I haven't done it for two days but look I did it for 16 days before that you know nice. which can create that energy of getting back into it again
0: And that's I love that you you just brought that having a setback into the conversation Mm. because our whole first season was all about coming back from a setback. Ah, perfect. And yeah, it is. And this is kind of piggybacking on that because just like what you said, building a new habit it takes time Mm -hmm. and it takes dedication. Mm -hmm. And do you? Well, you I'm sure you know. Isn't isn't it sixty six days or there's there's a certain like scientific number of days that it takes the brain to create that new pattern. A new
1: habit. Well, you know, I mean, it's interesting, the habit science. Like when you look at how long it takes to re- create, that, it's a huge window. It's like 21 days to a year, basically, to create oh, a new Oh, wow.
0: Thing.
1: Depending on, you know, what the habit is, how motivated you are, and all, you know, so all the other bits that play into it, you know, because often, particularly I found with mothers, they get pulled off track by the needs of others. You know, and so creating a new habit involves, you know, being really connected to your bigger why. Like, why is this habit important for me? Because often people will fall off or they'll get pulled away from other people by, you know, distractions of of life. Right. So that's why there's a huge variance in how long it takes to create a new habit. And the big thing really is. When people fall off the habit, is just to get back on again and be kind and gentle with ourselves. You know, it's so easy to get sink into that negative self talk and be like, "Well, you know, I blew that one, so forget about it." You know, rather than going, "You know, I'm human. Like, I messed up. I'm going to get back on and give it a shot and try again."
0: And so much of what you're saying, I hear the yogi in you because, (laughs) you know, it's like you're in a in a difficult pose or in a pose that's challenging, and you fall out and. Mm teacher says you fall out yeah just come come back into it well and also that I mean you that that
1: also relates to the thing of failure too which I think is really interesting because you know failure is one of our greatest teachers you know and so when you're creating a new habit and one of the things I'll often tell my clients they'll be they'll freak out they'll go you know I'm going to stay with family for thanksgiving Right. And I know I'm going to be thrown a whole load of food that I don't like and doesn't suit me. And I won't be able to exercise and I won't be able to meditate. And oh, my God, my mother-in-law, blah, you know, yeah. and, and I bet you my cousin is going to bring up Trump. And, you know, and, all, and, and you know, <laughs> people get all freaked out. Right. And, and I just say, you know, use that as information about about your habits. Right. So, for example, when I travel, my family's all in Europe and I fly back and forth and traveling a lot and also traveling is my hobby. So I'm like any reason I can get on a plane and go somewhere new bring it. Right. But it means then that I'm sleeping in different places, having access to different food, you know, my exercise routine changes. And so what I start to learn about myself is when I don't meditate for three or four days, I start to get really grumpy and my fuse really shortens, you know? If I don't have a lot of plant food, like a lot of green stuff, I can go three or four days and then I start to get bloated and uncomfortable, you know? Mm-hmm. So I start to notice, like, what are the things, how long does it take before my body or my mind is going, beep, 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 bee, make a change. So you can use that as information. You know, how, how, is, how do I manage sleeping for less hours a day? you know, how do I manage that? And you start to notice what are the habits and that can give you information about what your keystone habit is, which is your key, key king habit, the one when you think of a keystone arch, that's the one at the top that looks like kind of like a sort of wedge of pineapple, and that all the habits fall off down the sides. And when you can when you fail either through your own lack of structure or support or environmental situations that have pushed you off track, or you've got family staying or you're staying with family or traveling and your habits fall off, you use that information to recognize, wow, if I don't sleep, I don't exercise. I don't eat well. I make bad choices. If I don't meditate, I'm a If I don't mm-hmm. exercise, I, you know, and we all start to notice, what are the habits that really guide us and support us and nurture us?
0: That, yeah, I love all this. And is this stuff that you have in your book? I do. So, you yes. have a book called Force of Habit Unleash Your Power by Developing Great Habits. <laughs> love that. It sounds empowering. Thank you. Yeah, like raw. Yeah. <laughs> Unleash this habit force.
1: Right, exactly. And, and I wrote it to be, you know, a book that you could read in kind of 75 minutes, you know, cover to cover, or you could just dive into a particular chapter on a particular kind of habit. Because, you know, so often, I don't know what you're like, but I'll, you know, look behind me. I know people call me. Oh, yeah. See, my, I am like, you He's got know. got a lot
0: of beautiful books organized <laughs> by color, which is very yeah. inspirational for a designer <laughs> like me.
1: <laughs> so, you know, I'll often buy like self help books and I'll be super excited and motivated. And I'll be on like chapter three and then I'll go and I don't finish, you know, the, (laughs) and so I, when I was writing my book, I thought I want to make it one that you can read from start to finish. And then, you know, or if you just look at it and you think, oh my goodness, I really need help with my sleep. I'm just going to go straight to the sleep chapter. So it covers, you know, the sort of vision piece of like what motivates you to get your habits on track. And then the key habits that I found with working for clients for a number of years is sleep, Eating, Mm -hmm. sleeping, eating, and exercising are those really key habits, which, if you start to make some headway into organizing and structuring in a way that benefits you, really helps. And then your relationship with yourself and others. So, that mindset piece Mm -hmm. of, you know, are you taking the time to stop? Because we fill our heads with so much crap from, you know, other people and the rest of the world, and then all of the oughts and the shoulds, the
0: should. and the musts,
1: and the I ought to look this way, I ought to like this, I ought to want to do, you know, and learning to step back and go, but, but what, what's my ideal self? Like, who am I really? Like, what really turned me on? Not what, you know, I should like because I'm a white middle class woman, or I should like because that's what my family structure said I should, or I should like because I've got this kind of education, you know, or my partner thinks this or
0: whatever. <laughs> Yeah, and it sounds like such a creative approach to who you are and to to really being who you are. Right, and I think that's really
1: important with all of this. And that's one of the reasons why I got certified in Ayurveda. Like Ayurveda to me really allows for that Personal creation of your own life, right? Of the rituals of your own life, Mm -hmm. because so often you know you're you're like you turn on a Facebook or Instagram, and you're keto, and and then the fasting, and the this, and and, you know, and then you should be vegan, and then it should be the five meals a day, and then it should be the, and you're just like ah, (laughs) like which one am I supposed to do? You know, and then you should be doing the the hit workouts, you should be doing this kind of exercise, you know, and it and so you get sort of overwhelmed in the like this is the right one, and this is the right one. This like rabbit. Rabbit, rabbit, (laughs) you know. And then you
0: lose touch touch with what is right for you. You don't even know how to identify what's right for you.
1: Right. And I mean, it was really interesting to me that I I ran a half marathon, gosh, it was a decade ago now to raise money for a charity when my son was battling cancer because I am not a natural long distance runner and I wanted to struggle and suffer a little bit like alongside him as he had his chemo Mm. Um, and so that I could raise money for charity my body did not like running at all. Like I put on 30 pounds, even though I was running like 20 miles a week, teaching yoga, two toddlers, one in hospital with cancer. And I remember going to the doctor and going, I don't understand. Like I'm doing more exercise. Why is my body like putting on weight? They did all these tests. They couldn't figure it out. Is your adrenal this? And they eventually just said, I don't think your body likes running. And then I started (laughs) studying. Ayurveda and got certified. and, And my profile is... When I do that kind of hardcore exercise, even though it, on some level it feels familiar to me because I'm very high vata, which is all about movement, it mm-hmm. actually massively depletes my system. And so my body goes into sort of panic starvation mode right. and holds, onto it holds calories on to calories in a state of like massive trauma. Because it's like, what are you doing to me?
0: What are you doing to me? <laughs> yeah. It's all stress too. Right. Yeah. The cortisol, right, The cortisol, because you're producing so much cortisol and stress. Right, right. It's like, I'm holding on for dear life because yeah, I don't know what's going on
1: exactly and so i was like well there we go and that's why running didn't suit me you know and whereas yeah. before you know everyone's like running's a good exercise you know and it's like well yeah for certain types but not for my type <laughs> you know
0: yeah i love i love the uh, i always say i love i love i love i do i love the of connecting with yourself and and figuring out what is going to serve you best what's going to make you feel your best and not feeling like you have to follow the the trends
1: Right too. And I think that's really key. Like, you know, I, I'm also a Buddhist and most of my Buddhist friends are vegan because of, because of the animals, right. Which I totally get. And you know, my, my book has a vegan recipe book in the back because a lot of people when they start plant based they get freaked out right but you know for a lot of people being shifting from being particularly if they've eaten the standard american diet to going vegan just feels completely terrifying and oh, so yeah, i say to my drastic. right so i just say to my clients i'm like you know i call myself a flexitarian you know, mm-hmm. because I'm flexible. And also, you know, when I'm, you know, in the South of France, I'm going to eat a croissant, you know, when I'm in the South of France, because I'm a big foodie and a traveler, you know, yeah. but I'm not going to generally do that at home. So I say to people, I'm like, just allow that flexibility. So, you know, look at these recipes and think, could I just shift, get out and use, have no animal products for breakfast? Have a look at some of the recipes in there. Or could I just do that for lunch? You know, yeah. could I just do that for dinner? And just start with that kind of shift and start to see how you feel when you start to make these little changes, you know. So I feel like it's about giving resources to people, but it's also really empowering people. And I love that you said that my book title is empowering. It's like, yay, <laughs> it, of like here's some information, but I want you to really use that information, like turn into yourself. And figure out what works for you, not what other people are going to tell you they think will work for you. You
0: know? <laughs> yeah, I love that. It's such a great, such a great message to to kind of end on and, and wrap things up with because I, with attention spans these mm-hmm. days, yeah. I mean, I can literally talk to you forever. And when I expand this podcast to like hour long sessions, I so want to have you back because I'm totally there. <laughs> this is such a great conversation. Do you have any final gems that you want to drop on the audience? If the answer is no, oh. that's fine. Yeah. No, the one
1: I have to say, I'm again, this is part of my nerdiness, but one of my most favorite words I discovered when I started studying Ayurveda is which means a crime against wisdom. Mm. So it's that doing that thing that you know is going to feel like crap, but you do it anyway. Mm. So it's the, it's the, having that third wedge of pizza, that third glass of wine, that fourth episode of Queer Eye, whatever it is, you know, that you find yourself doing that crime against wisdom. So when you do that and you do it unintentionally, Just be super kind and gentle to yourself, you know, because we all commit crimes against wisdom, (laughs) you know? And the big thing is when you do do that, go, well, crap there. I committed a crime against wisdom. That doesn't mean I'm a bad person. That doesn't mean I'm evil and wrong. It just means that today I effed up and tomorrow I'm not going to, or this afternoon I'm not going to, I'm going to let it go and move on.
0: Yeah. Because it's so much more heavy to carry the guilt of the thing. Right. Right. The, then the thing actually was. It's like, yeah, exactly. exactly. We're human. The yeah. shit's going to happen. Exactly. That's oh, and I'm true. so excited that you're sharing with our audience. Uh, do you want to talk about your, your gift? To the sure. Audience?
1: Yeah. So it's a, it's a chapter from my book and it's um, the one all about really trying to get your head around this idea of the shoulds and the oughts. And, you know, what does that mean as we start to kind of do this work of like turning in and thinking a little bit about what that means.
0: Great, and you have some great. I just read it this morning. You have I got some great tips in there, it, audience. You definitely want to take her up on this and and get that chapter of the book. And as we wrap up, I just want to inspire the audience to join us for more interviews to enjoy these diverse perspectives on working with triggers to create a lifetime of healthy habits. We'll continue to increase your toolbox of go-tos to support your fitness focus. Thank you so much, Tamsin. It's been such a pleasure to have you here today. Thank you so much for
1: inviting me, Amy. It's been a real honor and I love sharing this with all of you
0: people. Yay. Yay. (laughs) All right. That's it for now. Stay tuned for more episodes.